1: Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the -the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish.
0: Are you a speaker or trainer who would love to take your speaking to a completely new level of excellence and impact? If so, join me at theahacenter.com. That's T-H-E-A-H-A-Center.com. Hello and welcome to this week's discussion. This is Mike Domish, your host. And today we have a very, very special guest. That is Dr. Andrea Brandt. We want to get right into this because this is talking about mindfulness with aging. And we've never discussed this before on the show. So I think it's a great combination, really be able to dive into how it impacts us as we age, how we view it, how uh, on our daily lives, how we can try to utilize mindfulness, both as a belief and a practice. So let's dive right in. I would love uh, Dr. Brandt for you to be able to uh, be able to share with our listeners exactly what you do. I always like to come from the person uh, more so than me reading an introduction.
2: Well, I am a licensed psychotherapist for over 35 years now, so it's a long time. That's my main profession and job, but then I go around the country talking and to other therapists about mindful Anger, the emotional path to freedom, which is a book that I wrote, and eight keys to eliminating passive aggressiveness, which is another book I wrote, and I'm hoping to do the same with mindful aging. It gets me out of the office. So, don't, being in the office with clients is my first love. I also like getting out of the office.
0: All right, awesome. And you use the word you use the word old. Now, a lot of people don't use the word old, or there seems to be there can be a negative connotation around the word old. Uh, so let's dive right into that. Do you, do you believe there is a negative connotation or people should be able to be proud of saying, I'm old? How do you view that word in a, you know, from a mindfulness place?
2: I view it as very positive. And I think that too many times we've heard people say, oh, I can't do that. I'm too old. And I don't come from a place where you are too old the fact of the matter is is society has given us lots of stereotypes of growing older as being in decline as being irrelevant as getting ready for the next world or these meaningless leisure activities i see getting older as a wonderful thing. It's an opportunity of a lifetime to grow happier, more confident, more loving, and more engaged at the same time you're growing older. You're very relevant. You've got wisdom. You can pass it on. It's a wonderful time in your life.
0: I love that. And I feel the same way. I don't think we should be thinking I'm too old for this. I think you can ask yourself, how can I do this at my age? Because there are things that there can be limitations, but there might be possibilities for that to happen. Um,
2: There are lots of possibilities. And, And yes, I'm talking about being realistic. You know, you might now feel like skydiving at the age of eighty. But you know, I'll tell you something. There are people that took up running at the age of eighty and are a hundred and they're still running.
0: Oh yeah. We have a it's ironic that you brought up skydiving because from my office there's a skydiving place literally about a mile and a half away. And we have a clear view in the sky when they're coming down. People of all ages are doing that. You can see them. Yeah. Uh, And so somebody could be 80 and doing skydiving. How do you reclaim it? Like, give me some examples in everyday life and how you reclaim the word old. I'll give you an example that maybe we can try to play with a little bit. I'm yesterday at my trainer. So I use a trainer due to my travel around the world. I, I work with a trainer to keep me just physically in the right state of grace to be able to do the travel, have the energy I have. And... I I'm the youngest of my gender with the one trainer, not with the other, but I, but I am of the one I'm, we're still significantly older than the trainers than both the trainers. Uh, and so this age thing does come up, you know, as far as that goes, I take joy in what I can do. And, and maybe this is the wrong, because is there maybe a negative connotation? I don't want to get into that. I sometimes say to myself, yeah, I just did that. And I'm almost 50, you know, that type of thing. Like, and the trainer be like, yeah, there's 20 year olds who can't pull that off. Uh, so, is, is that a bad though, because I'm going and I'm almost 50 and I can still do that? Or is that is that reclaiming it in a positive way?
2: That's reclaiming it in a positive way. And my friends think I'm crazy, but I'll tell you what I decided to do recently or last year. I am old enough to have spent years going to a gym. I still use the elliptical. I've had trainers, Pilates, stretch labs. I've done it all. And I've been bored to tears at this point with all of it. So I decided to take up pole dancing. Not for the reasons because everybody goes there and says, "Oh my God, she wants to strip." No, <laughs> I actually have a friend
0: who's a like world the national champion pole dancer,
2: uh, right? And
0: she was formerly a teacher. That has nothing to do with stripping, and not that we're putting judgment on that either.
2: No, I'm not putting judgment. Right, on I know. That. I know
0: you're not. That's why I just wanted for anyone listening, right?
2: Yeah, but the point is, it's. Uh, The lady who does my bone density test every year says it's the best exercise for women because you're pulling yourself up on the pole so you're strengthening your upper body to such a degree. The workout before you even approach the pole is better and more strenuous than any trainer has ever given me. That's awesome. So
0: there's a great example, right? So it is okay. And I shouldn't say whether okay or not okay, but it's healthy is what you're saying. It's very healthy to say, yeah, I just did that at 50 or yeah, I just did that at 40 or yeah, I just did that at 85. And not to be afraid to say our age, right? So like I'm 47. I've never been afraid to say my age. I'm 47. But I know that some people say, well, as you get older, you feel differently about that. And I think, well, you shouldn't. Like no. if I'm still jamming and being a goofball at 75, why would I? I guess, I guess why wouldn't I say I'm 75? But maybe that's the problem. They've stopped jamming. Some people they've stopped having well, fun, so they don't want to own their age because they feel their age is a negative instead of living.
2: I think there's a gentleman by the name of Hall that said, "We don't grow old by playing. We grow old when we stop playing." You know, and I'm 77. I have no problem saying that. And I took up pole dancing at 76. I
0: love it. It's awesome. And so, our, our society can have certain perspectives on the, on aging. So right, you know, and we're sort of getting into those right now. And and they're all about decline. <laughs> <laughs> so what? How do we reverse that? How do we help people who are listening understand? I'm going to look forward to 50, 60, 70, 80. And some people could be 18 listening to this or 15 and thinking, I'm going to look forward to when I'm 40. How do you help people see that there's so much to look forward to? Like you already brought up, there's wisdom. So what are some other advantages?
2: Lots of wisdom. It gets, you know, we're living longer and we're healthier. So it's what I call the longevity bonus. The fact of the matter is is your life is full of opportunities and I think people should live them with realistic positivity, which means seeing and accepting what is both inside ourselves and in the world, and then shifting our focus to what we'd like our life to really be. We need to come up with a vision of what we'd like our life to be. This is our time. You know, maybe we've all had jobs and had to answer to bosses and brought up families and had a number of kids. And maybe we did both. But now, for many people, the kids are grown and they're off and they're married. And now, this time is for you. What is it you want to create and what is it you want to do? And in order to do that, you need to know what it is that is your vision, that is your dream. And you need to get rid of that negative self-talk. You know, we're all inclined to go to our negative bias as I said a moment ago, oh, we can't do that. Of course you can, or perhaps you can. But the point is, is you need to get rid of the negative self-talk. You need to be authentic, honest, and real with yourself.
0: And- Well, let's pause there. I think that you bring up something really great, which is finding that vision and then getting rid of the negative talk. I know someone very close to me and they're the same age as I am. And what frustrates them sometimes is they don't have a vision. They don't have anything guiding them and they want to, they would like to, they wish there was, but when they sit down and think about what they want, they don't have a clue. Like they genuinely just think they're going, nothing's coming to me. I don't know what I want to pursue. And it becomes frustrating for them, especially I think because of age. I, I think there's this insinuation out there That in middle age, you should know what you want in life. Or after middle age, you should know what you want in life. And there are people who don't know what they want. So I think that's an important discussion to have because I think people tend to have that conversation with 18-year-olds, but not 48-year-olds or 78-year-olds. How do you help somebody find that vision in that stage of life, whether it be middle age or past middle age? How do you help them realize what that could be for them?
2: Well, you know, in my book, I have this great exercise about – bringing more joy into your life. And I have people do what I call a timeline of their life. So what did you do that you enjoyed or had fun in your first decade, in your second decade, in your third decade, and all the way up?
0: And I want to pause there if I can, because I know some people and I love this discussion because I, I can hear some people talking back right now in my ear if they were listening uh, and knowing they will be listening when the show comes out of it was my children, my children, my children.
2: Right. But did you ever take any time for yourself to have fun?
0: Yeah. And I did and you- I know people that answer that. I literally know people who say, no, not really. I'm like, well, did you vacation? And they're like, yeah, but I was thinking about the kids, even on vacation. Uh, I I really haven't given myself... Maybe travel, but then you get this argument, right? Which I'm sure you've heard it too. I hear it all the time. You can only travel so much. I can't just travel. You only have so much money I can travel with. So yes, travel's the one thing, but I can't just travel 365.
2: But you know, in order to have a happy, healthy life, you have to eat well. You have to exercise, be creative, so... If you focus on the fact that your kids are gone, you don't have to worry about them. You don't even have say to say that again. Say that sit. again.
0: You don't have to, have to worry about yes, them. Yes, because you and I both know so many parents that their kids are 40 and they're still every day waking up worrying about their kids. And I know some people out there going, but you don't know what my kids are going through. We're all parents, we've all had fears, we've all had concerns, and most of us. Have had kids go through stuff that worried us, so it would be rare. It would be rare that a house did not have a child make a choice as an adult that could cause high distress levels to a parent. That would be rare if that didn't happen. But in the end, uh, so I think a part of this is allowing freedom to occur. Right, that's a big piece of this important aging, is to free yourself of the things you think you're supposed to still be controlling that you should not be controlling anymore.
2: Yeah, you need to get rid of the things that don't serve you any longer.
0: I'm just going to pause this for one second because I want to let everyone listening know about one of our amazing sponsors. This week's program is brought to you by the Can I Kiss You program, an interactive how-to skills-based program for school systems, universities, and the U.S. military throughout the world, addressing consent, bystander intervention, respecting boundaries, how to talk about what you want and don't want, and supporting survivors of sexual assault. Now, for many of the listeners out there know, this is what I do for a living. I travel the world, giving the Kanakisha program and many other trainings throughout the world so yes this is me uh, that you're bringing in to speak if you're interested contact our offices ask for rita at the date safe project our website's datesafeproject.org, or you can call rita at 800-329-9390 that's this week's sponsor of this episode
2: i have an exercise in the book that helps you do that you know and You need to bring positive, happy things into your life. And the primary word here is experiment. You may not get what you love to do the first go around, but try something else. I mean, there are people who... Society thinks that all you want to do, especially men, is go out and play golf. Well, that's not necessarily true. There are men who go and take up sculpting, do all kinds of things that they didn't have time for. They always yearn to do, to have more of a creative side of themselves,
0: yeah, I love it. And or to find a new, maybe a new career or start yes. a new business, right? You don't, I think I, one of the problems of retirement is people think, oh, I can't work anymore. Well, what if you were doing something you loved?
2: Yeah. Listen, you know, in 2008, when the whole country went into the toilet, a lot of people were laid off and had to become very entrepreneurial and come up with all kinds of things that had to make them money. While today you may or may not need the money, but you can re- be entrepreneurial and be a mentor to people and volunteer. And it does a lot to lift your sense of self, your longevity, and feeling good about yourself.
0: Yeah. And you brought up that we need to let go of the things that don't serve us. And I was at the time yeah. giving the example of trying to be a controlling parent that I can, or that you can fix, you know, all these people around you and that doesn't allow you to be you and to love you because you're focused on everyone else so much. So let's dive into that a little bit more. What are ways, what are the most common ways that you think people Uh, are creating barriers to themselves. What are they not letting go of? What are the most common ones? So that if people hear them, they might go, geez, that's me. But that's a good thing to discover so I can finally let that go. So what are the most common barriers?
2: Feel Their feelings. A lot of people are just like moving targets, going through life from this activity or chore or responsibility to that one. And they need to learn the art of mindfulness. Mindfulness is slowing down, being with yourself, going inside, and seeing what it is you're feeling, sensing, and believing cognitively, emotionally, and physically. And because most people, in my opinion, go through life in a trance and they need to learn how to use mindfulness, because if you use mindfulness, you'll be able to sit with your feelings and let embody them and release them and just let them go. So you free up internal space to allow in joy, to allow yourself to become flexible, and to become much more authentic with what you really feel, think, and believe. And being mindful is being in the moment, As a very famous psychiatrist says, Dr. Dan Siegel, you bring, uh, he uses an acronym, COLE, to mindfulness. And I always forget what this is. No, that's okay.
0: That's okay. But I think that we can use some good examples there. For instance, you're sitting with a partner and you're watching a movie and you're also reading a magazine at the same time. Yeah. You're not actually watching a movie with your partner. No. Because you're not present in the moment or or you're not reading a magazine because you're not present in the moment right. or neither. Uh, so I think this is a common one because I know couples, and this has been myself included, when you can have that happen, it can be frustrating because you're like, hey, I thought we're doing this together. Uh, Well, I'm just doing this. Uh, Well, that's not us together then. That's that also there. We're not present for each other. And I think it's something we can all fall into. Uh, I can fall into, oh, well, the movie has a slow part. I'll check my phone. Okay, well, then I'm not present. I'm leaving this atmosphere of the two of us having experience together to go to this other location, mentally, everything. And so I think we all do it. I think it's a matter of looking in the mirror going, where am I not being present? Right. Uh, do it, I have a quiet time in my day. Do I need to suddenly look at my phone? Do I need to go look at email? Do I need to most of us do that?
2: We, we cannot just sit. And sitting is the new cancer, you know. People who sit for hours in front of Facebook, in front of their emails, you know, they say it's the new cancer.
0: Yeah. And so when, when I was referring to you can't sit, I mean, just to be still. So, yeah, they can't be still. Right, and and to be still is can be wonderful. And so we want to be able to think about that. I, I, a challenge I'll give myself at times is: what if I put my phone in a different room and charge it, and I'm only allowed? To, I'm only allowed to go to it because of something that needs to be done. Right. Not exactly. to not to fill time, not to check in on something. None of that. If I were to check my, if I'm in my email, it's because I'm, I'm doing a work task and I'm purposely checking it and getting out. But these, these are all challenges. And some people go, what does this have to do with aging? If you're doing this at 30, 40, 50, and 60, it's impacting your ability to, to have all this time to enjoy your age.
2: Exactly. And enjoy your everyday, your everyday life. Because, you know, people go through life thinking it's going to go on forever. It isn't. One day everybody's going to die. However, what's important is how are you living right now?
0: Yeah. And what I love about that is this is true for everyone, whether you're 13 or 93 or 103 or 43. And that's what I love about your work is that you're saying that age is a positive because you've had 43 more years to learn maybe what you don't want to do. Maybe you don't know what you do want to do, but you've had 43 years to figure out, I know what I don't want to do. I don't want to do this. And so yes. those 43 years served you. Right. Now you talk about facing your fears as people age. What are some strategies you give for people facing those fears?
2: Well, mindfulness is a big one. Allow yourself to know that, you know, we all have a, negative, a negativity bias. And if you face your fears, you'll see that a lot of the stuff that comes into your mind is really from your ancestors, and they're not really yours. So can we have so, an ex- what would
0: be an example of that?
2: You know, there are people who are, un- strange as this might sound, there are people that have difficulty having a good time. They feel like they should be responsible for something or someone. So they have a fear of really embracing life. They have a fear of accepting those opportunities because, you know, what if their good friend can't do it or is disabled? Sometimes my husband because of freak circumstances, walks with a cane. And there are things that I can do. We used to walk a lot together, and we don't anymore. And for a while, I was afraid to bring up, well, I'm going to go for a walk because I want to walk fast, you know. And I didn't want to hurt his feelings, but he was fine with it. It was all my craziness. The in stories, the stories we create, the stories, right? The stories we tell ourselves start when we're very young.
0: Yeah. And I, I know people that as they become more free and they start exploring more, they keep it quiet. They keep it quiet because they, they have a story that if, if I'm out there sharing the joy of what I'm doing, right. Uh, people who grew up with me and all are going to think I'm I'm bragging or, uh, and I'm being boastful. And so, and they can't do that. So then they won't want to be around me. And I'm like, wow, this is some massive stories because if any of that is true, what kind of friends don't want you to be happy? Like I know my friends love hearing about the times I get to take adventures. Cause they're like, tell me about it because I love hearing about that passion and that excitement in you. I don't want to, and and I have, and I have done that myself. I've done, oh, maybe I, mean, maybe I do share a little too much about my travels or something, but then someone runs into me saying, did you stop posting about your travels? Cause I love those pictures. I love this. I love that. And I go, yeah, why did I let the fear of negative stop me from the positive? It makes no sense whatsoever, but we're trained to do it. And that's what you're referring to. We're trained to do it.
2: Yeah. And one of the last things I want to say to you in this interview is that we cannot grow old alone. We need connection. We are social beings and we need to be around people. So making new friends, for which I have lots of tips in the book on how to do that, making new friends to replace some that have passed on is really important because you cannot do aging alone.
0: I, I love that. So what are some, a couple of tips from the book that will help people create new friendships as we age?
2: So you've got to put yourself out there, go to a gym, take a class, because you'll meet people, whether you're in love with the class or you love working out or not, you still run into people that you can talk to because treating loneliness with isolation is never a good thing.
0: I love that because I know even for me, all people come to me and go, Mike, if you have a workout equipment at home, why do you go? Why do you work with a trainer? Why do you go to gym? This is why, because I want to see human beings when, when I'm on the road, it's very lonely. Uh, if people don't realize that they think, Oh, you're in front of crowds of thousands yeah, performing, but I'm not getting my lunch and dinner with family and friends during those times. When I'm home, I work from the home. So no one is here. There's no social. So to get out and to go to the gym is just to say hi to people and to be goofy with other human beings, not just goofy by myself. I can do that at home. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I think like for you, you brought up, Hey, I went on pole dance. I'm guessing you do a group class, Yes. So, whatever embarrassments you're afraid of, you get to have with other people, which is such a bonding moment, right? To be in an embarrassing or what could be humiliating fail, but we're all having it together or we're laughing with each other. It makes it so much more comforting. Yeah. So, I think that's awesome. So, to get more involved is what you're saying. It's socially engaged. Find something, whether it be dancing, it could be anything, right? It could be bowling. It could be. Anything where it's people, though it's not a, it's not go out on a hike by myself. Now that is valuable, though, right? Would you agree that being in nature can be can be wonderful for aging?
2: Yes, it's it allows it's a wonderful place to be mindful. Love it, and, and it's great for longevity.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You get that fresh air too, which is always valuable. What what is now? We've been referring to briefly your book, but so everybody can look it up
2: and find it. The title of the book yeah. is mindful aging, embracing your life with purpose, fulfillment, and joy.
0: Awesome. That, and that for everyone listening, if you just find Mindful Aging, Dr. Andrea Brandt, that yeah, you'll find Amazon. it. Yeah, you'll on find Amazon. it. That'll be nice and easy to do. So makes right. that easy for everyone. And for everyone listening, if you're running, as we always say, or if you're in your car, all these links will be in our show notes. We'll have links to be able to get hold of Dr. Andrea Brandt, how to find the book, All of that you will find in the show notes. Dr. Andrea Brandt, besides your own books, what's a favorite book of yours regarding aging or living your life to the fullest?
2: Necessary Losses.
0: (laughs) That's the name of the book, Necessary Losses?
2: Yeah, it's by Judith Vioris. It's an old book, but it's so brilliant and it talks about every stage of your life.
0: Love it. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me,
0: Mike. Absolutely. And for everyone listening right now, we look forward to uh, you being able to enjoy every day, no matter what your age is, uh, between now and the next time we see you. Have a great week. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks.
1: We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, Want to sponsor the show or just want to say hi? Send us an email at listen at com and check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.